0: Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and you tune in today because you're sick of trying every fad diet under the sun and training yourself into the ground without seeing any results. That's why I'm here, to share the most effective ways to eat and train for sustainable and real results. What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I've got a great guest on the show. I was lucky enough to be joined by a former world boxing champion, in Will Tomlinson, wild Will Tomlinson. Um I've had the pleasure of getting to know Will recently. He's a great dude, and we had a very casual chat today, but we got through a lot. and um, I, It was very interesting interview. I got to ask all the questions I wanted to ask him and had a bit of banter, and it was good fun. So make sure you tune in for the whole episode. Let us know if you enjoy it by taking a screenshot of the show. Posting it on your Instagram story, tag myself, tag Will. We'd love to hear your feedback. And of course, if you haven't subscribed to the show already, do hit that subscribe button so you can get all the future episodes. And feel free to go back through and check out the previous ones as well. But let's get stuck straight into the interview. Welcome to the show, mate. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. So I want to kickstart the show today with you giving us a bit of a rundown on. How it all started, how your boxing career started. What age were you, and um, and kind of what path you went down to to get to where yeah. you are today?
1: Well, it's definitely be, been a long path. At that, um, started twenty years ago. I'm thirty two. Thirty two now. I started when I was twelve. Had my first fight at twelve. Um, the reason I started was a four foot four, red headed you you know, kid. Four or five. Uh, Grown a few inches. Yeah. <laughs> i sitting around. I think. I actually don't even know I think 5'9 like on a good day yeah. nah maybe 5'7 five, 5'8 five, um, but uh, yeah so I started at 12 just walked into a gym off the street with a couple of mates started hitting the bags I was yep. you know pretty naturally gifted with it I guess and yep. my the trainers threw me in for some sparring I did well and they said hey you want to fight I'm like yeah, why not um, they got me a fight down in Melbourne so I grew up in Bensdale okay. and um and
0: how old, how old were you with the first fight? Twelve. Oh, okay. Yep. So, so five, I, yeah. I
1: trained for about a month or two. They threw me in for my first fight. Had one by a second round knockout. Okay. Felt like the king of the world. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> thought that so was pretty good. But then I was soon brought back to reality because I, I lost my second fight. Okay. Then lost my third, fourth, and fifth. So I lost four fights okay. straight after that. And I thought, you know, what's going on? Like, you know, this is what it wasn't what I signed up for. And then kind of... Um, Took a few steps back and went back to the basics and stopped trying it because the worst thing was I won my first fight by knockout. Yeah. So then I thought I could go out and knock everybody that I fought. Yeah. So went back to the basics, learned to box, learned to you know use my brains in there rather than just my strength, and um and then won my fifth fight, sixth fight, and won about fifty odd straight after that, and then um fifty straight. Oh. Thereabouts. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, I, okay. I had a very, very good run. Yeah. Um, yeah, fought for state titles, national and you titles. That was because
0: after those losses, they made you go back and work on the fundamentals and and, pro- and kind of think you way through it a little bit more instead of just going in and expecting the knockout? Of
1: course, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, this is when I was like 13, yeah, or 14, yeah, yeah. 15. It's crazy. But then, yeah, obviously got older. Um, yeah, fought for, yeah, again, state titles, national, national titles. Fought my way into. Um, the um, the AIS I had a scholarship at the AIS in 2007 where I fought for Australia at Commonwealth Championships Oceania Championships World Championships right they were they were for the 2008 Olympic team okay and I was pretty I was undefeated in Australia I think all of 2007 the majority of 2008 until the Olympic qualifiers Olympic qualifying tournament yep and I got beaten in the final by Queensland, so I missed out on the Olympic team. And then I turned pro straight away, moved to Sydney to, to turn professional. So got, how, do you,
0: how do you actually turn pro? Well, What's any, the process there? Any,
1: anybody can turn pro. You could turn pro if you want, you yeah, know, next week. A couple of weeks off, yeah. I thought, yeah. Yeah, I'll get you ready. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, yeah, so I, moved, I got kind of signed up by this promoter in uh, Sydney, for Dal Tuchel, who was like a you know, killer promoter back in the day. Yeah. And... Um, he moved me up to sydney and i started training out of a gym in blacktown called the blacktown hit squad okay very well-renowned gym at that time Yep. and then um you know turned pro in july 2008 and um got off to a great start state title professional state title national title regional titles i was undefeated all the way up until i was undefeated um you know, all the way up to I fought for the world title, which I won in 2011, the IBO world title. Where
0: was, was that? in Australia?
1: That, that was in Perth yeah. on um, one of Danny Green shows. Okay. So I, I won that title in 2011, had four successful defenses of that here in Australia. Um, yeah, all on big TV networks here like Main Event, yeah. Channel 9, Fox Sports. And then I got signed in the US to Golden Boy Promotions, Oscar De La Hoya's, okay. um, promotional business. Yeah. So me and my wife, Jess, we moved over there and um, lived in LA for just under three years. Had you know great great experiences like fighting in Vegas at the MGM yeah. Grand and fighting in San Diego and Texas, fought in Texas for the world title. That was on HBO. Okay. Yeah. So I got a lot of great exposure over there, had a really good run, good life experience. Then we moved back at the end of 2015 and had a couple more fights back here and then hung them up.
0: How old were you when you when you hung up their gloves?
1: Um I think I was thirty. Okay. An old man.
0: Old oh, man. And uh, actually one of the questions that I got, I put up a, a thing on my Instagram story the other day getting people to if they wanted to ask questions and did, there was, did, there was did, a shitload. Did anybody there. reply? There was a shitload, yeah. <laughs> were like, one who, of them actually who's, who's was, uh, will, will you come out of retirement? For
1: the right for the right fight I would. Okay. And what makes the right fight? Number one, the right money, yeah. the right opponent, um, the right, like, the right um, yeah, opportunity. So yeah. location, okay. TV, there's a lot of things that make a good fight. But for the right fight, I would come out of retirement. But yeah. as long as you can promise to get my back right. I'll do that for sure, 100%.
0: Um, so you mentioned obviously before when you first start out. Now keep in mind you're only 12 at the time. But you've obviously had. You've, how many losses? Losses did you have as a professional?
1: Um, I retired as a pro. Twenty. I had 29 fights. 26 wins. Two losses. One draw.
0: Okay. Cool. So when the end of my LA trip, I had had a chat. I did an interview with Tony Jeffries. Don't know him. Don't know. Him. No, I do not. And one of the <laughs> uh, one of the questions was uh, one of the questions I asked him was what was his mindset and the whole process after a loss obviously after a win um, and I, I want to know the mindset after a win as well but after a loss what is the process um, I'm, I'm sure it's different for and everyone, initially
1: but... it can be a very like daunting experience copying a, a loss especially in the in the in professional boxing because you know you can really only afford a few losses along the way before it, it starts really impacting your value as a fighter okay um, you know people like to back follow a winner yeah. um and yeah it can be you yeah, know very yeah, daunting as i said a daunting experience and um you've just got to overcome it and reset and go again it's so are you the there's type not of really there's not one? really much you can do about it you know yeah
0: so were you the type of person that after so obviously there wasn't that many of them but after a loss, did you would you go back and, and watch tape of what you could improve on and get straight yeah. back in the gym, or would you but, kind of just so, write so it out a bit? The, or? the
1: first pro loss that I had was in Vegas at the MGM Grand, and it was I don't think it was anything that I made that I did technically wrong in the fight. Okay, it was just more of my like my mindset going into the fight. Probably put too much pressure on myself right. to perform and. Obviously, when you put too much pressure on yourself, and you know you want something so bad, then you almost get the opposite reaction. Yeah, and overthink everything, overthinking yeah. everything, second-guessing everything you're doing. Where I should have just, you know, stayed chilled, relaxed, and just let my instincts mm-hmm. do what they've done for the last, you know, however long. And um, but I didn't. Yeah, so,
0: and so I want to stay on the topic of mindset. So that's that's after a loss. What about after a win? Is it? I'm I'm assuming it's probably um, one yeah. of the best feelings you've ever felt in the world, especially as a yeah. pro boxer.
1: Yeah, it is very hard to you know replicate that feeling you have yeah. of um, you know putting in a you know, big ass training camp, you know starving yourself, making the weight, putting yourself through all that pressure, and then having the fight, having a good performance. Getting the result and then yeah, being announced the winner in front of that those big crowds and all that weight's just taken off your shoulders it's a pretty good feeling.
0: Hundred percent. And when you're in the rooms, out you know I don't know I don't even exactly know how it works. But if you're in you're in the rooms, you're about to go out to the ring. What is what goes through your mind as you're walking out and you're, you're about to get in the ring? I'm assuming once that first punch is thrown and you're actually in there, kind of you just get focused and it's kind of business as usual but the lead up to the fight do you do you get pretty nervous or is it what's the what's going through your mind as you're walking out to the ring
1: well it was all it was different i had different mindset through the you know, the nine year span of my pro career when i was young and hungry like I was super focused like i'd just be walking to the ring just you know tunnel vision just you know with the clear game plan in my head and ready to go out there and do the job yep you know i used to i remember i used to be able to get into the ring and literally blank everything out other than my opponent and just focus solely on him but you know i guess as i got old i got older and my mindset changed a little bit like that tunnel vision starts to expand and bit, open yeah. up and things can creep in and that which can like deter you yeah um but ideally, you want to have that tunnel vision and, you know, when you walk into the ring, just focused on doing the, focused. doing the job.
0: Yeah. And as a pro, how how far in advance would you usually find out that you've got an opponent? Like, how long would training camp be?
1: It depends on, you know, what level you are as you're... in your got career. Ranks, but, like, yeah. you know, when you're starting out and you're fighting, like, the first two years, I was fighting seven seven times a year, I think. My, I had 14 fights in my first two years. Okay. So, like, they're fights that are they're just kind of fed to you quickly yep. and you don't really have time to prepare for a specific opponent. And so that's just, is that just you, a matter
0: of basically staying in fight shape year yeah, round. Yeah, just, just staying together. staying in the yep. gym,
1: sparring a lot of different guys, yep. getting used to just fighting whoever's in front of you. Yep. But then obviously once you start winning world titles and fighting for belts, you, um, you, know, you, you generally have your opponent locked in. At, the date that you're fighting at least 10 weeks out and that opponent locked in at least 8 weeks out. So you've got a good eight week window to prepare for a specific opponent
0: yeah and did you enjoy track like you're the type of person that enjoys the training and the hard work leading up to it or did you kind of i i enjoyed the training but hate the fighting
1: so i enjoyed the training i enjoyed kind of enjoyed the training i hated the dieting that was always you know we'll one, right, of, yeah. one of my biggest challenges was starving myself to make weight yeah so enjoyed training the pictures, you look pretty shredded in didn't some of those. didn't like the making the weight cut um but, but love the win so everything else would become irrelevant when you got announced the winner. and made it all worthwhile
0: yeah so so with you mentioned the dieting just then what what would it typically typically look like like how much weight would you have to lose coming into a fight On like usually
1: so I'd, I'd typically start a training camp around 70 kilos um and then and that's tri- a comfortable weight for you to maintain. that's just an, a natural weight for okay. me Around like right now I'm 70 kilos okay um yeah you know, I used to start training camp about you know I'd get notified by my management that I was fighting in ten weeks It'd be yep. seventy kilos I'd slowly bring my weight down to like sixty eight so yep. drop a couple of kilos before that eight that official eight week training camp begun mm-hmm. so I' start weight uh training camp at sixty eight probably throughout that training camp I'd try and get down to at least sixty two kilos so wake up in the morning. After eating and drinking, yeah, after going on the toilet, 62 kilos, um, and then couldn't really get below that, you because know, I'm not sure exactly what my body fat percentage would have been, but it would have been low yeah. at 62 kilos, and then from that 62, I used to dry out, like dehydrate Can't those work. last few kilos to make that 59 kilo limit.
0: Yeah, and for those that have no idea how all that process works, how does the whole water cut work?
1: Um, so I used to do it by water loading. so Load first and so then cut out. Two, so at least 10 days out, I would really start um, pretty much cutting all the sodium out of my diet. Yeah. Really start um, uh, eating under 100 grams of carbs a day. Yeah. Um, and then really start upping my water. I, I also used to go... To the supermarket and buy sodium-free water as well. I used to drink anywhere up to six liters a day. Yeah. Um, and then six liters a day. Um, but then the last two days I'd pump it up to eight liters. Okay. Of water a day. Yeah. Which you know on the scales makes you heavy, but mm. it's kind of just going Preparing through. Your body to... And if you haven't got any carbohydrates in your body or sodium in your yeah, body you to re- retain the fluid, yeah. it just literally goes through you and, s- and flushes everything out in the process. Yeah, and then I used to, I used to stop in completely drinking water. Um. About twenty out, about twenty four hours out from my weigh in, I just stopped completely.
0: And he's weigh in, what 12, 24 hours before the fight?
1: Twenty four hours. Twenty four. Yeah. yeah. So I'd stop, stop drinking twenty four hours before the weigh in, and I just go to the toilet and get rid of everything that I've drank and plus some. Yeah and then get on the scales make weight um
0: and then start carving back up and rehydrating so or? you got that
1: 24 hour um period where you can you know rehydrate yeah you know, eat up and basically get as heavy as you want i said you know, first thing i do is just get concentrate on replenishing the um electrolytes, electrolytes and stuff yeah. so um yeah you know, hydrolyte power aids um you know lots of fast digesting carbs so like lots of sugary stuff initially um and just concentrating at least four liters of fluid back into me okay. before i started eating food
0: because i assume you'd have to be careful not to overdo it to the point where you're feeling sluggish oh, yeah. and heavy once you get well, on. oh yeah there was in the ring.
1: plenty of times when i like i'd overdone it when yeah. um eating up after a weigh-in and you'd be literally lying in your hotel room like like dying oh, you're like yeah <laughs> I, I ate so much at times which when i say ate so much probably wasn't much food at all but because my stomach was like a shriveled up little acorn (laughs) and and, um yeah you eat a little bit of food and it feels like so much and you know there's times where i'd eaten so much that i woke up the next day and my stomach would actually be sore because like almost like it's bruised yeah and then you'd be worried in the fight that you're not going to get hit in the gut so yeah um yeah but that that's all about staying disciplined and you know having your eyes on the prize and not celebrating the win of making weight yeah because yeah, yeah. that's not the win but, yeah. and sometimes making weight becomes such a fight in itself that people make weight fighters make weight and they feel like they've won the fight yeah it's almost like you know that that same relief of, as winning a fight. Winning fight yeah but um the trick is not to get suckered yeah, into yeah. that
0: it's just another step in the process yeah what was the highlight of your career
1: had a lot of good times in my career. Um, uh, yeah, a couple of good uh, moments along the way was probably my first big performance um, on, a bit on the big stage was when I knocked out an American guy named Verkwon Kimbrough, who was Roy Jones Jr.'s little protege on the Danny Green, Roy Jones Jr. card in Sydney at Ace okay. Arena. It's if- when Green... One yeah. So, is, yeah, so that was in front of twenty thousand people at Ace arena, so it was like a huge, a huge um you know platform that for me involved, to yeah, you know, launch the Wild Will brand to Australia and yeah in front of you know the hundreds of thousands of people that are tuned in to watch Danny Green and Roy yeah, Jones yeah. fight. So I went out there and I like I was very overly mad. like I, I was I think nine and and0 and my opponent was like twenty three wins, two losses or something. So. It was a bit of a you know, mismatch and he it, it kind of, kind of experienced. Yeah. But I went out there and I ended up knocking him out in the third round and had a great win and then from that, you know, um, had another, I think, five or six fights and then got the world title fight and again on one of Greenley's shows in Perth and won that. That was obviously a, a huge yeah. um, moment for me. Um, that's, you know, obviously every, every fighter's dream to be able to win a world title. World title, yeah. And then I had the yeah, you know, the three or four defenses of that which were was great time, that two year period as yeah. a world champion here in Melbourne. Um and then I got signed by Golden Boy and had a lot of great experiences over there as well. Fighting at the MGM Grand That's and unreal. fighting on HBO and yeah. all that stuff.
0: Yeah. Crazy. Who was your coach over in um LA? And um, is, it, is it, so do you have one coach or do you have like multiple coaches that help you with different at, aspects nah, of the
1: training? At, at any one time, you'd have like one boxing coach yeah. and sometimes you'd work with the strength and conditioning training okay. as well if that's what you wanted to do. Yeah. But um, normally, yeah, the attention's focused to the boxing coach. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in America, so my coaches in Australia was Lincoln Hudson, my professional coach, um, up in Sydney, then I moved to America and was trained by Manuel Robles. Yep. Who you know, he's got some very very good boys at the moment, um, a few world champions, and then I left him and ended up training for a couple of fights with a guy named Nico Robledo, two Mexican guys.
0: Okay. What? Um. So, so that's the highlight. What was the What was the lowest point of your career? Was there a point where, where it kind of sticks out as the lowest point?
1: my first professional loss was pretty tough yeah that was um that was in Vegas yeah um yeah
0: what round was that in?
1: oh went the distance okay yeah um just lost over 10 rounds just got outboxed because I was again trying too hard yeah um you know I was just loading up every punch and really you know pressing the action too much and my opponent was just able to sit back and pick me off and outbox me yeah um that yeah but after that like there was a lot of you know i was very in a very low patch for a while and then there was also another low patch or uh yeah um when i fought uh i forget his name um he was a filipino guy it was on a channel nine show here in australia okay in melbourne and um poor performance yeah i won but it was a shitty performance you won yeah i won yeah I, I, well, you don't think I won? No, oh, I <laughs> yeah. assumed you won. No, so yeah, I don't know. I got the de- I, I got the decision. Okay, you, know, right?
0: you weren't happy with it. I,
1: I was not happy with how I fought. I I genuinely believe I just did enough to win. Okay, and yeah, you know, some viewers thought otherwise. Okay, Do it you did you listen to that? It didn't. It didn't help that Channel Nine had my arch rival Billy Dib commentating the fight from Sydney. Talking smack talking shit about me the whole fight so like you know it wasn't wasn't in my favor the commentary but um anyway that was also a down a down pat uh, a low Low point point, because there was a lot of just you know negative negative uh talk about the decision and stuff which after that fight me and my wife went for a holiday to went to europe for like eight weeks and i spent the entire trip in europe just buddy Thinking about what everyone was
0: yeah, yeah, what saying, saying about yeah. It, yeah, so you do take so after after a loss or even after a win, did you get did you let negative kind of comments or feedback from other people outside sources get to you at all?
1: I'd be lying if I said I didn't. It didn't yeah, impact me at all. Yeah, same, of yeah. course. Like you can't. You know, it's easy to say that it doesn't, but it, of course it does. But um, yeah, it just comes with ex, yeah, like time and experience of how to deal with those. Mm. You know types of opinions like you work out whose opinion whose opinion you value and take Who, on board and whose opinion no, yeah. and you just you know, don't even give it the time of the day.
0: Yeah. When you were growing up, um, once you started getting into boxing, so even you know you're already boxing at 12 years old. Was there anyone that you you enjoyed watching? Like, do you enjoy watching boxing now and when you were when you were actually still fighting?
1: Yeah, I used to watch um, boxing all the time. That's obviously you know why I got into it. Yeah. Um, Costa Zoo, Jeff Fenech, Mike Tyson, Roberto Duran—they're my f- four favourite fighters. Yeah. Um. Even this weekend, I'll be tuning in to watch the Canelo Triple G yeah. rematch. Um. Yeah. So, and I've actually been going um, since a recent change in my work schedule, yeah. I um I've been going to a lot of uh, local fights here in Melbourne. Yeah. Just getting around all the um local Melbourne talent. And, I was um, going to ask
0: you: Is there anyone? Who do you kind of see as, as the next big thing, or someone that's going to do well out of Australia?
1: In the short term, in the short yeah, the short term, um, Andrew and Jason Maloney, okay, twin brothers yep. from um, here in Melbourne, um, that train in, train with Angelo Hyder up on the Gold Coast. They're both red hot prospects. Um, so they're they're beyond prospects now. They're con- they're contenders. They're yep. both they're both uh, world rated. Jason Maloney's next fight is. October, around October the 20th, he's fighting for the IBF world title against, um, someone Rodriguez, okay. um, a Puerto Rican guy in Orlando, Florida. Yep. Um, so he's, you know, very soon could potentially be Australia's next world champion. And I genuinely believe he's got the ability to get the win. Yeah. And Andrew Maloney just fought for the, um, a defence of his WBA regional title, which against number four in the world, um, uh, Luis Concepcion from Panama, he beat him over twelve rounds, uh, ten rounds, and now he's he'll be rated top three yeah. in the WBA, and he'll get a world title fight within the next one or two fights. So them two boys, they're going to be our next world champs. Awesome. E- either one of them.
0: Awesome. Do you just going back to to your career quickly? So physically, um, what's the process after a fight? So regardless of whether you win or lose, I'm assuming you, most of the time, unless you get an early knockout, you'd cop a few shots during the fight. What's the process in terms of recovery? Like, do you ice straight away? Do you? Was there a process that you followed after every fight well, to begin the recovery process?
1: The process that always used to, that you know, had to take place after... My last 10 fights was I'd spend a lot of time in the back rooms getting stitched up because I always used to get really bad cuts. Yeah. Um, I never used to get too, like really bad swelling or anything that required ice, although my brain probably could have done with a bit <laughs> of ice, but it's hard to ice your brain. Um, but yeah, so I, I wouldn't drink straight away. Um, like at, Early in my career, I was probably a bit like, immature and, um, you know, used to have a few beers You're and stuff after answer, the yeah. fights, which is stupid yeah. considering you've just dehydrated yourself to make weight mm. and you've just been hit in the head of, you know, a few hundred times. So I'd always wait a few days before I drink alcohol. Yep. Um, but normally, um, me and my wife Jess, would just, would just get, eat, eat yeah. lots of food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just fatten up and make up for lost time.
0: Yeah. In the ring, once you- I don't know whether it, whether it change after you the more fights you have have under your belt, but like when you get a, a decent hit in the ring, is there that much adrenaline that you really don't feel much of the pain, or are you in pain um, the majority of the time? Have
1: you ever been hit in the chin?
0: Yeah, but not in a boxing ring.
1: Like yeah, you know, have you been buzzed where your head just starts yeah, yeah. buzzing and it doesn't really hurt. No, it's more of a like a. Almost like you hit hard, and you almost have like a like a out of body experience.
0: Yeah.
1: it hurts. Like when when you, when you talk about getting hurt in yeah, a fight yeah. by a punch, so you get whacked in the guts. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. what. Getting hurts. A wind, yeah, out, yeah. But when you get hit in the chin or the head, it's it doesn't really hurt. Mm.
0: Well, how do you? I'm assuming it'd be hard to maintain game plan, maintain focus once you've been once you've been buzzed.
1: That's generally what you know takes you out of the game plan yes
0: yeah
1: but that's when you've got to like it's what you train for yeah you know, inspiring when you have all your sparring sessions leading into the fight you get hit yeah you, you get buzzed and that's when you work out how to react to how those react situations to it, yeah. Um, yeah Yeah. which generally it's best when you stay calm and mm. you know, revert back to that those training sessions yeah. and what did you do then and
0: What was the... Did you do much strength training leading into a fight? Or was it predominantly aerobic based? Um,
1: So early days in my pro career, I used to be... I used to do like strength and conditioning training pretty religiously. Like what I was telling you earlier, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays, was always weights. Yep. Weight training. All like strength based stuff. Compound Um,
0: movements and stuff like that. Yep. yep.
1: And... uh, But then as I got older started fighting the fighting to make weight struggling to make weight i had to pretty much ditch all of that and just swap that for cardio to, okay. to just concentrate on burning like losing weight
0: yeah expending as much as L- losing losing weight
1: and sadly probably losing muscle, muscle at the yeah, same
0: time 100%, 100%. what um are you a big fan of the ufc
1: I wouldn't say I'm a big fan. no. You enjoy watching UFC. I watch it, yeah, yeah. but um, I don't like go to the pub on the weekends to watch to, it. To go out anyway and watch yeah. it. No.
0: What did you did you watch the Mayweather yeah. and McGregor fight? Yeah. If I did. so, what did you what did you think? What were your expectations before it, and what I, did you think yeah, after
1: it? Yeah, I, I thought um, you yeah, know, McGregor wouldn't lay a glove on Mayweather, okay. and I was very very scared that um, after the first couple of th- rounds that. McGregor was gonna cause this big upset and beat him because he was, <coughs> yeah, landing some big shots on mm-hmm. him and look, looking pretty good. Yeah, and um, and out. that that would have just been disastrous for boxing, for boxing, especially as a boxing purist. Like, not that I have a rivalry with yeah, the yeah, UFC, yeah. but everyone seems to think that there's like this, you know, you're either UFC or you're, you're boxing. boxing. Yeah, and I don't really care to be honest with you, but um, it just would have, yeah that people would have people's opinions would have been formed on what was the superior superior fighting mm-hmm. code if mcgregor had a
0: beaten mayweather
1: yeah. but it was good the mayweather one and yeah re, yeah restored boxing is a the number one style of fighting
0: awesome a couple more things before we wrap up so um this next question probably would be a bit easier if we did it in a video form so maybe we maybe we could do some videos next time we we do a session but for someone that's um, that's just doing boxing for fitness, but do want to they do want to improve their technique, they want to they want to improve at boxing. What are some tips that you can give in terms of improving it, whether it be footwork, whether it be practicing certain um, drills?
1: We could sit here and talk about this for a long time. Yeah, we could. But in a nutshell, like everything seems to become easier in boxing when you have that good balance. Stance. Okay. So how you position your feet, yep. how you're like bending your, kn- your knees in your, you know, you're in your most balanced position because mm-hmm. when you're in your most balanced position, you've got the ability to move your upper body and you know, throw your punches and you know, put as much power into those shots yeah, yeah. without becoming off balance in the process and feeling awkward and yep, yep, you know, yep. uncoordinated. Okay. So all about your footwork.
0: Foot position. Awesome. And we, we'll next time we train we'll, we'll do some videos yeah. and if you've got a fair bit of stuff on your page anyway I'll put all the links to Will's um, social media and in the notes of the uh, of the podcast as well lastly mate what's um, what are you doing at the moment what's next for Will Tomlinson
1: so I'm going to start doing boxing promotions um, working with Melbourne's up and coming talent and uh, going to turn them into boxing superstars in this country um, I, I really want to try and you know, revive and reinstate boxing in Melbourne and Australia as a like a mainstream sports attraction. Yeah. Um I've got a meeting right after this, downstairs with the manager of the MSAC yeah. about putting a show on here. Amazing. So I'm just you know,
0: just in talk uh, to yeah, people, yeah. Yep. Unreal.
1: So stay tuned. I awesome. I don't know what the biz- that's good. I don't know what the business is going to be called yet. Yeah. But, um Any ideas? Let me know.
0: Wild World Promotions. Yeah, that's a bit bit tacky, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Alright, mate. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. I really do appreciate it, and um, I'm sure everyone that tunes in today will, will enjoy the episode as well. So we'll have to do another one once you have got it up and going, and um, yeah. and hopefully we'll, we'll see some see you promoting some fights sometime soon. Sweet. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. Keep, it. keep punching. I will. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you enjoyed the Instagram Live, make sure you, uh, once the episode comes out in a couple of weeks, take a screenshot of uh, of the episode, post it up on your Instagram story for us, and tag myself and Will. For those that have tuned in to the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, and like I said, all Will's social media and everything will be in the show notes below, so go and check him out. and look forward to chatting to you guys in the next episode.